episode 341, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, season one, episode two, The Star-Spangled Man. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hey, welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. And I'm Ben, Ben Avery. I'm here with my friend, Samantha. Hello. Samantha, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. And ready to talk about some MCU because that's what this podcast is about. And so, yeah, we're here to talk about the second episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, The Star-Spangled Man. And I may not be a star-spangled man, but I think I have a plan for how we're going to talk about the episode. <laughs> I think we're going to go in kind of chronological order and just kind of take some stops along the way and, and talk about the the details of things. But overall, uh, what did you think of the episode? I liked it. The, the subject matter was really, really strong in this episode about uh, what it is to be black in America. Yeah. And then another big part of it is just being yourself in America and, right. you know, living up to the titles and, and to the labels that people give you. And yeah, there's going to be some interesting stuff to talk about here. Some very interesting stuff that I'm glad that they decided to go in this direction. We talked about it last week a little bit and I said, I'm positive we're going to see more racially uh, or thematic stuff going on. And sure enough, uh, again, uh, just some moments where you're just kind of, Oh, okay. I'm watching mm-hmm. this fictional show about aliens, androids and wizards, but I'm also seeing this moment here. That's, you know, really no one should have to deal with, but unfortunately that's the world we're in. So it's reflecting the world we're in while also talking about androids and wizards and aliens. So, which, by the way, if we weren't already called uh, Welcome to Level 7, like if we were just starting the podcast right now, Aliens, mm-hmm. Androids, and Wizards, I feel like that's a good podcast name. Yeah, that for is. For an MCU podcast. Like that would be a kind of cool. Yeah. I like Welcome to Level 7 better, but. Yeah. And a wizard is a sorcerer. <laughs> Same thing, just different word. Sorcerer is a wizard without a hat. I believe is that's the- not true. <laughs> that's not true because going back to Lord of the Rings, Grandalf the Gray wears the hat. Grandalf the White does not, but he's still a sorcerer. He's, he's the same guy. I mean, technically, right? Yeah. But although I did love that For the moment most part, where yeah. Sam says to Bucky, "What do you know about Gandalf?" and Bucky's all, "I read The Hobbit when it first came out in 1937." <laughs> like the ultimate ultimate hipster line right there (laughs) yes (laughs) i read it in 1937 when it first came out original printing (laughs) it did feel like sometimes when i talk to younger people about star wars and i'm like yeah i was in the theater in 1977 Mm -hmm. and i saw it 
I saw Star Wars. Although it might have been 1978 when I actually saw it. It's it's possible. Because I'm not sure when it when was, was actually it released? released. It was released like, in 77. Well, I remember it was released in 77 because my mother said that my dad and a friend of his took her to the theater, paid for her ticket, and then she fell asleep within five minutes. <laughs> Which, knowing my mom, that's very typical. We don't really take her to the theater anymore because she just tends to fall asleep if she's really, really bored. <laughs> but, my, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she did the same thing for Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, but that was under a special circumstance. Well, I might have seen it in 78 because when when it came out, I was living in Canada. And so it's possible that I didn't quite see it like, you know, in the first month or two of release. Uh, it might have been after some of the, the hype and stuff and it had had a chance to spread because back then movies didn't necessarily get released in all the theaters at the same time. You know, they ah, were, okay. and like Jaws was one of the first movies where it was like big blockbuster because it was released in, you know, a thousand or more theaters at the same time. And Star Wars would have been a part of that, but uh, that wave, so to speak, from Jaws. But, you know, s- smaller theaters, smaller towns didn't necessarily get the the new movie that week. And they weren't necessarily, you know, counting on the blockbuster money because blockbusters were a fairly new thing. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know exactly when I saw it, but I was there. I was in theaters and I sound like Bucky when I'm like, <laughs> I was there. I saw it. I was there 1977 or eight. So, yeah. So let's talk about this episode because there's not just the thematic stuff going on, but there's also the MCU world building that's happening and there's also mcu action that is happening and but we start out with john walker in his locker room his high school locker room and he talks to a i think it sounds like it was his high school sweetheart when she talks about sneaking into the locker room before a game you know it feels like a high school relationship kind of thing uh but then also his friend lamar comes and they they both encourage him as he's getting ready to go out and and do another um talk show interview kind of thing as they're rolling out the new captain america and he's practicing and he's trying to figure out what am i going to do how am i going to be this captain america and i'm just going to say right now between this scene and his next scene i'm kind of liking john walker I don't know how you're so feeling. So far, I like him. So okay. far, I like him. Um, I think he's coming into this role as Captain America a little naive because of the way Sam and Bucky feel about it. But I really, I, I like him so far. However, just coming out from WandaVision, I'm wondering, is he actually a bad guy or a good guy? Because Agatha was supposed to be sort of like this kind of grayish, neutral figure if not a good guy and then she turned out in the series to be a bad guy yeah i so i'm, I'm okay. wondering if we're, if we're going to see the same thing going back to the the comic book source material for this he had super strength now in this episode he reveals he doesn't have super strength and he reveals it on tv and then he also reveals it in the big fight scene where he's going up against super soldiers and he's outclassed and so I'm I'm curious about like that whole dynamic of what they're actually doing. What is the deal with this guy where 
he's just a great soldier and that's why they made him captain America and didn't enhance him at all. It's interesting, but um, in the comics, he doesn't quite go rogue, but he's also not able to be controlled in the way that the government would like to. And he does end up, there's a big final battle between him and Steve Rogers, captain America, because, you know, Steve Rogers is kind of on the run and the government says, go after, go after Captain America or the former Captain America. And so there's a big battle in, in issue 350, um, which again, I was there. I read it when it came out. I got that one off the stands. And that's why this series, this TV series excites me is because they're going into some stuff that's really near and dear to my, my, my heart as a, as a young comic book reader, but he doesn't quite go bad. He's just got a temper. He's not a great guy. He's not a nice person. And I, I feel like they're creating a different dynamic here with this guy. I think we're going to head into a situation though, where he's going to try and get super strength like these, these flag smashers have. Oh I, yeah. I think so too. I, I definitely feel like that's, that's the direction this is going in and that he will end up one way or another super powered. Although the question is, will it turn him crazy, bad, or I guess, no, the question is what's going to go wrong is, is the question because something's going to go wrong. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, it will. It has to, because like I said, he's going into this role as Captain America very naively. Yeah. 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 Uh, now Lamar Battlestar is his code name, which when he reveals that as his code name, that's where Bucky's like, I'm done with my conversation with you right now. But what's <laughs> interesting about Lamar is he was the new Bucky then. So when John Walker became Captain America in the comics, they brought in Lamar and Lamar became Bucky. They ended up changing his name in the comic book series because Bucky is a derogatory name for African-Americans and the writer didn't realize this when he was writing it. And so they got letters and they said, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and change his name, even though we have the the history of this Bucky character. And that's who he was intended to be as Captain America's partner. We're going to change his name. And so they, they changed his name to Battlestar. And so that's uh, when you have Bucky and Battlestar kind of sitting across from each other in that Jeep as well. And it's this again, the, the dynamic there is kind of interesting because they're both captain america partners and mm -hmm. yeah so that's it, it's it's a little just another tidbit of comic book history there but yeah when they were writing it the the, the writer just had no idea they had a, a whole thing in the letters pages where they're they're admitting to it like we didn't know and we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings so we're we're changing the name and they it, it wasn't like a big flashy thing but it was like intentional where they were just we're we'll admit it right now we didn't know and we're, we're sorry we're gonna change it so kind of a cool i can thing. understand because yeah e even in my adulthood even though i grew up in the south and the south is stereotypically known as being racist but i heard this one comedian say you know you know the racist part of of america is that part between mexico and canada <laughs> Which she's absolutely right. Uh, and I cannot remember that comedian's name, but she was just hilarious when she did the, that bit. But by the way, if you're listening, go ahead and write us in. I'd love to hear from you. Um, <laughs> but just 
I, the, even in my adulthood, uh, I, I still on occasion come across a word and I hear it. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And then they tell me, oh, it's a derogatory term for, you know, this person. I'm like, oh, I, I had no clue. I mean, it's not something I said. It's something I heard someone else say. And I'm not going to say them just to be fair. But yeah, yeah. I mean, th- yeah, that's the thing is, you know, we have to find it out somehow. I remember yeah. growing up as a kid and finding out about the N word, finding out the R word, you know, and just these different things where it's like, and, and certain things would come up and be like, Oh, that's what that means. Like, that's not. And, and you get surprised. And and then even more surprising, you'd find out this is really not a good thing to say. And then you realize, Oh, but those, my friends say that, you know, that kind of thing where it's just, Oh, that's not, wow. Okay. <laughs> I had no idea it was bad, and now I had no idea what they were really talking about. And then you find out, and it's not not a good moment. The question is, what do you do with that information? You know, that's where, as you learn this stuff, what do, what do you do with it? And hopefully, as as kids are learning it, are filing it away and saying, "Oh, this isn't okay." But obviously, because of people around them, so the idea of you know racism being learned. Um, no one's born a racist. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anything more here with this first scene, then I love the, the music, the star spangled man. And when I saw the title, I was like, are they going to play the music? Are they going to play the song? And they played it as the, the uh, marching band, uh, Oh, I loved that bit. My younger brother was in a, in a drum and bugle corps, which is like hardcore high school marching band. And yeah, it's <laughs> it's like football. It's a big deal in some circles. Uh, and it, and that scene really brought me back. Um, Here's, oh, in, in my notes. Uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to ask, like, was he doing that in high school? Yes, he traveled all over the U.S. in high okay. school. Because I'm looking yeah. at this band here, and I'm thinking, okay, is that is that their high school marching band? Because <laughs> they got moves, and yeah. I'm 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 just okay. Maybe it is, you know, because larger high schools have a bigger pool of kids to pull from. But the marching bands that I saw when I was young, it did not look like that. They were yeah. And it did not sound like that, you know? Yeah, the, the drum and bugle core stuff, I mean, it's just as our hardcore as what you see here or in the, in, um, oh gosh, what's the name of that movie? <laughs> drumline? Drumline, drumline. It's just as hard as in drumline. I mean, actually, from what they did in drumline was they actually got some of those drum and bugle core groups together and put them as the different schools. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I know that. Again, like the, especially larger schools, they can pull from their talent pool that's much bigger. But I was, I, I really love though the way that they took that song, Star Spangled Man, and turned it into what sounded like a high school marching band arrangement. But again, to me, it did not sound like a high school marching band. It was really clean and, and clear and, and just cool. It was, it was just yeah. neat. But the question that came up, because I didn't get to watch this with my kids, I was just really curious if they were getting angry because is this disrespectful? This is the Captain America song, you know? 
and they're using it for John Walker. I think Sam and Bucky are the two best people to voice whether or not it's appropriate. I don't and know I, if and they, we saw that in this episode. I mean, they definitely thought it wasn't appropriate, but right. I I don't know. I mean, there there's a line where uh, he he's like, Can, "Should I just call America and ask for the shield back or something like that?" And um, you know, it, it's interesting because you have like who owns the word America. You know, and 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 the term Captain America, obviously Steve Rogers carried it for, you know, a few years during the war and then after he came back for a few years. But between the time when he was Captain America in those two periods of time, there was a much longer time where there just wasn't anyone who was Captain America, possibly. And and so it just becomes whose is it? Who gets to decide? And if they don't call him Captain America, you know, is, is this a legacy thing? And if John Walker shouldn't be Captain America, what makes Sam Wilson, which I believe is going to be Captain America, what makes him more uniquely qualified to be Captain America than anyone else? That's a good question, because Sam's background with the Falcon is that he was in the military and he's a veteran. Of war. I mean, and I'm pretty sure that John Walker's background is maybe very similar. Um, well, and now, <laughs> the line but, was, uh, have you ever jumped on a grenade? Like Bucky asks him that. Have you ever jumped on a grenade? And, and John Walker says, yeah, four times. It's a thing I do with my helmet. <laughs> it's, it's a special helmet. It's a long story, but... Um, well, maybe he, he, I mean, because he does stuff like that, maybe he does, maybe their problem is that they just don't know John Walker very well. And I think another problem is they just don't trust. A stranger to hold the title. Uh, trust a stranger or trust the government. Ah, true. You know, I mean, as much as I love living in America, to quote James Brown. And as much as I love, um, you know, being an American citizen, I, I really do believe that's a it's a privileged place to be. There's other places for sure in this in this world that are privileged as well. And if I grew up there, I probably would feel the same way uh, about other places. But I mean, I'll admit there's a lot of things wrong with this country, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so. I, I can understand not trusting the government because it's run by politicians and it's run by people who maybe don't necessarily have the best interests of the people at heart. And, you know, that's, I can understand them not trusting the government and therefore not trusting John Walker. Right. Yeah. Uh, so Sam and Bucky, oh, my, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. My other note. Um, so John, did you see who was interviewing him on that stage in front of the high school? I saw who it was. Yes. Do I know who it was? No, I don't know her either, but she, um, he was being interviewed for good morning America. 
And she is one of the actual hosts of Good Morning America. Okay. I wondered because he's practicing yeah. saying Good Morning America. And I, at first I'm thinking that's kind of funny. And then, okay. So it actually was Good Morning America. Yes. Okay. All right. That's cool. That's, I mean, is it too clever? Captain America being interviewed on Good Morning America? Yeah, but it's well, exactly the kind of thing that they would do, right? Yeah, because I think Good Morning America is on ABC, correct? ABC is owned by Disney. Disney owns the MCU. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. imagine them choosing to promote a morning talk show that's not one of their own. <laughs> right. Or yes. I, mean, I shouldn't say that's not one of their own. I can't imagine them promoting a talk show that is someone else's. Because I, I, yeah, they would, I could see them making one up. But, but yeah, definitely not. And I don't, I really don't need to make one up either. So no, no, not if they can use it and, and use the person. That's, that's cool. Yeah. So Sam, yes, I was gonna say Sam and Bucky, uh, they see this and then Bucky confronts Sam about this and he just can't get over the fact that. Sam should not have given up the shield. And as they bicker and fight, Bucky ends up just going on Sam's mission with him. <laughs> and, and this is where we get traditional MCU stuff. They're sneaking yeah. around, they're quipping, they're arguing, they're bickering. They think it's one situation. They go to rescue the person and the person that they're rescuing turns out to be a super soldier sma- flag smasher. And then we get a nice battle on the top of these, uh, semi trucks and their trailers and they're getting beaten pretty badly. And so captain America, John Walker and Battlestar show up to, to rescue them. Which is, is a little embarrassing. <laughs> But, you know, here's the thing. I like it when our heroes are outclassed. Yeah. And I like it. You know, it's that Indiana Jones style of adventurer who just gets beaten up, defeated. You know, he's going to win in the end or something's going to happen where the bad guys don't win. But I I like this kind of thing. And then Captain America shows up, helps them. But he's he's outclassed, too. They still lose. They still lose. But I was not expecting Captain America to show up. <laughs> I, and they already don't like him. Here's the thing, though. Music cues. Again, during this whole scene, we had Captain America movie music being referenced in this music here. Oh, yes, that's right. We did. Yeah. So even the mo- the, the show itself is telling us Think about Captain America. Think about Captain America. I can't because Sam and Bucky are like, oh, I don't like this guy. I know. Don't like him at all. (laughs) We've talked about this before with Stargate. When, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the doctor, the scientist on the team. When he left the show, they brought in Parker Lewis Can't Lose, Colin. Again, can't remember his name either. 
But the whole thing with that is... I can't is, remember either, but is the character's name Daniel? Because I remember yes. him a bit from the few episodes. Daniel Jackson. Okay, yeah. Daniel Jackson. Yeah. He left the show and they brought in someone to replace him. Well, O'Neill never accepted this other character and is always just like, you know, making comments, this and that. And, and uh, the fans of the show didn't like the new character either. Colin Nemec, I think is his name. And uh, one of the things that the writers kind of wondered is, did we poison the well against this character by having O'Neill be against him for so long? You know, he doesn't accept him until toward the end of the ceiling uh, season, not ceiling. Um, and so, yeah, they didn't accept him until the end of the season. And a lot of the fans just didn't accept him at all. And so they brought back mm-hmm. Daniel Jackson later, but you know, this is the kind of thing where we have Sam and Bucky. They don't accept John Walker. Now their conversation kind of gives them reason to not accept him. I like what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not trying to be Steve. I'm not trying to replace Steve. I'm just trying to be the best captain America I can be. But then he's, he's like, it would really be great though. If I could have captain America's wingman by my side. And that's what turns. So we talked about how, when Lamar calls himself Battlestar, Bucky's like, I'm out. <laughs> Stop the car, Gary. And uh, and then when John Walker says to Sam, I- I'd like to have his wingman by my side. Sam says, it's always that last sentence. You could have stopped it right there. And I would have been with you. Not like as your partner, but I would have at least, I think, been more accepting. But then you took it that one step too far to show you want something out of this. Mm-hmm. I also like that they did name the driver. It's Gary. <laughs> Gary, the driver. Yep. Yep. At, at one point where they're driving uh, and, and Sam and, and Bucky are like, Nope, we don't want to ride. And they, they, they're driving, but um, John Walker says, stop the car, Gary, or stop Gary, you know, so, so that Sam and, and Bucky can get on. Okay. I appreciate yeah, that. Cool. I appreciate that. For some reason, it just stuck out to me. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, yeah, Gary, I like this. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, yeah. It, I, I felt in that scene that, that John was talking kind of out of both sides of his mouth, so to speak, because he was saying, I don't want to be a Captain America, but I am going to do the best I can. And I'd love to have his wingman. Uh, Yeah, I I feel like he's being genuine when he says, I'm just trying to be the best Captain America I can be. I'm not trying to replace Steve. I'm not trying to be Steve. And that was the thing at the beginning, too. And that's what I was saying about, like, identity and labels and everything like that. He's been given this label, Captain America, that he has to live up to. And... A lot of the advice he's getting from Lamar and from I don't know the 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 woman's name from the beginning of the episode is be yourself, be yourself, you know. And, and it's that whole uh, what's the phrase? Be yourself because everyone else is already taken or something like that. Right. Yeah. Be yourself, and so 
I don't know. I feel like he, and maybe I relate to him a little bit because of, um, you know, at the beginning when I took on the job that I have right now, everyone's comparing me to the people who had the job before me who did fantastic jobs, were very, very different personalities and very, very different skill sets than me. They were really good at elements of the job that when I stepped into the role, I'm like, I, I'm no good at this part. And they knew when they hired me that you, we know you're, you're weak in this area and we're going to work on that area with you. And that was leadership who was, was saying that, but some of the people I was working with, it was a little bit of a hard sell because I was just such a very different person. And I was the person they, they, they told me we're hiring you to be you. We're not hiring you to try and become what the person who had this job before you was, because you're not that person. We would hire someone different if we wanted someone different. And I feel like that's what you've got here with John Walker, where he has to be himself, you know, and he has to fill the uniform the way he can. And I, there's some parts of me that hopes we have enough time with Sam as captain America, where we get that same inner conflict. How can I be captain America and be myself too? How can I be true to myself and true to the label? And, and how can I take this label and make it make the label mean me instead of make me mean the label if that makes sense yeah and so i hope we have time with him to do that because we're getting that arc with with john walker here and i have a feeling again it's going to go wrong i think part of living up to the label that john walker has to do is he's going to be like maybe making a deal with the power broker that he shouldn't be making or something like that yeah so we shall see the other thing I loved about this whole sequence was the odd couple feel between Sam and Bucky. And there was an, an interview between with Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan that was done to promote the show. And I saw this, this interview on Facebook and I think it was Sebastian Stan that said that they, basically they were sort of playing an MCU version of the odd couple. And he said that after they're done, uh, if they get a chance to take a break somewhere during filming, that they'd like that he would actually like to try to do the actual odd couple play on in a theater with Anthony <laughs> Mackie, which that would be fantastic. That'd be great. Here's the thing I hate about when people like this do stage shows is we don't get to see it. We, yes, <laughs> I, I want to see the stage show. I was uh, Ian McKellen did King Lear and they did a live fathom event in theaters. And I was so excited to be able to see this thing that I would never have been able to see in a million years. I, I had to drive an hour to go to the nearest theater that had it playing. But I'm just Ian McKellen as Lear. I can't miss this Lear. King Lear is my favorite Shakespearean play. And I've seen James Earl Jones play him. I've seen now Ian McKellen play him. Uh, you know, I, I just love that play. And I love watching what different actors bring to the parts. And so something like this with these two guys doing the odd couple, I mean, just put it on video. <laughs> Let us see yeah. it. Let us stream it. Yeah. So, which is exactly why I'm glad that Disney released Hamilton onto 
their streaming platform. By the way, have you seen it? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there goes our post credit though. <laughs> oh no. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I wanted to see Chewedle if Folger play Othello, but I would have to get on a plane and go to London to see it because it was only in theater. And I think he won an award. I think the, uh, the, yeah, he won a big award for it for theater. But the problem was I couldn't go and see it. Yeah, yeah. The same with Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which, you know, we heard all the this horrible, horrible stories about this thing and how it just wasn't that great. But Bono and the Edge did a musical about Spider-Man that was on stage. And and the director, I can't remember her name, but she had directed a couple uh, Shakespeare related things. Um, oh, what Titus Andronicus, I think, is the one the one she did oh. with Anthony Hopkins. And like, I, I want to see this. And of course, because it was such a train wreck, you know, that was never going to go <laughs> and be on screen anywhere. I did see parts of Spider-Man turn off the dark on YouTube because I, there's someone who did sneak a camera in to that thing. Yeah. Cannot condone that, but (laughs) I'm trying to think, was that directed by the same lady who, who directed the movie across the universe? Yes, but I can't remember her name. I can't remember her either, but I love her work. Anytime I come across a movie on streaming that she's directed, I stop and I watch it because it's usually this just, really fantastic, beautiful thing that's on screen. And I can't remember where she got her start, but I, I know that there was something to do with like costuming or something that was a part of her background. And there's definitely more. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, she has a very interesting visual flair to her. her, Yeah. It's, and I would have loved to have seen what her visual flair did with Spider-Man on stage, but it didn't happen. So Julie Taymor also directed the movie, uh, the Tempest, which is an unusual take because in this version, the Tempest, uh, is, Pro- Prospera is usually played by a man, but instead she cast a woman, Helen Mirren. Oh, and I think I remember seeing in the behind the scenes stuff that, uh, the Tempest, a, a stage version of The Tempest, is one of her earliest works. And she cast a puppet performer as, I think, Ariel, who is the spirit. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one. And so she had a puppet instead of a person in the play. And it's the same kind of stylizing that she's done across all of her work. And it was just, of course it's, it's just beautiful to watch. So, yeah. Okay. So let's see here. We move on from that conversation to flag smashers, getting support from supporters who give them housing and call them Robin hood. And again, these are the people they just fought Bucky and Sam and John Walker and Lamar. Um, 
so they just got done fighting them and now they roll in to this place where it turns out someone else is after them because they have something that was taken from someone else and he's going to kill them. So that's what's going on mm. there. Then Bucky and Sam talk about the last time they stole the shield. And then they're talking about the question of there's eight people out there right now who have uh, super strength, super soldier strength. And this is where Bucky says, you know what? I got something you need to see. I got someone you need to meet. And they go to was it Baltimore, I think. I'm trying to remember. Yes. But they're walking down the street. A kid sees Falcon and says, hey, it's Black Falcon. And Falcon says, well, actually, no, it's it's just Falcon. No, my dad says it's Black Falcon. And no, it's, it's Falcon. And if I just called you kid or black kid, you know, and what's interesting about that whole conversation right there is just the way that comics used to work you would have black lightning you would have black falcon you would have like black goliath you know they the character if they were african-american it was black and then the word you know for a lot of those a lot of those black panther even and yeah. uh you know, so here they're hanging a lampshade on it and saying it's stupid, right? I'm just Falcon, right? But what was funny about it is earlier in this episode, you have him talking about Bucky being all sneaky and everything. Would you turn into White Panther while you were in Wakanda? And then that's enough of a joke right there. But there's one step further, and Bucky says actually it was White Wolf, and because he actually did have a code name that they gave him. That's right, yeah, because they – was it the the end of Civil War where we had the after credit with him? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was it Civil in War? In Wakanda? It's one of them. It may have been – Yeah, it would have been Civil War because Black Panther was in that one. Right. Yes, that's so right. So I, okay. I think it would have been Civil War, yeah. Yeah. But the the interesting thing was when Bucky was in Wakanda, he was the racial minority. So, well, again, you call him White Wolf, and that's actually kind of a cool name. It, it is. In, yeah. in the same way Black Panther is a kind of a yeah. cool name. Um, but, again, it's just kind of hanging that lampshade on this thing that is just like, yeah. Is it ridiculous? Yes. And what was good is in that 70s era, you know, they were kind of hanging on to uh, – you know, the different exploitation films. And so that's why uh, Power Man and Iron Fist, that's why they brought them together is because these were two genres of exploitation films, the Kung Fu and the black exploitation that was very popular, especially among African-Americans. And so it's like, well, let's, let's put them together and, you know, double, double whammy there. Um, so, and actually Power Man, what's interesting about him is he wasn't, it wasn't Black Power Man. It was just straight up, this is his name. He is Power Man. And then he was Luke Cage, you know. But um, but again, it's just that lampshade where the 70s were making strides forward. But, you know, you look back on it and it's it's a little bit cringy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, Speaking of men who have been uh, experimented on by the government, black men specifically. Yeah, yeah. So then yeah. we move to Isaiah Bradley. And what's interesting about this is this is another comic book legacy. And I'm not sure what's going to show up here. 
in this show. You know, is Captain America the first super soldier that America churned out? I think that the canon that we have right now, it feels like he should be because of the way that the super soldier serum came to the United States Army. But uh, in the comics, I believe that Isaiah Bradley was actually before Steve Rogers even. Okay. And, you know, they experimented on him and uh, it was meant to reference the, was it Tus- oh, Tuskegee? Tuskegee Airmen? Yeah. No, no, not the Airmen. The not experimentation. The oh, oh, yeah, 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 right. You're right. Uh, but I can't remember. Yeah. Tuskegee, yeah. yeah. Alabama? Yeah, and so it's meant to reference that, um, which I haven't watched Watchmen, which I guess really digs into that heavily. Um, I need to go back and watch it. Yeah. Well, the the TV show, not the not the movie. Oh, okay. The the one season of the TV show that they did, it's on HBO Max, uh, because okay. it was on HBO. Uh, it's <clears throat> so I I'm not sure how deep they go, but I, I've heard that it goes pretty deep into those experimentations and, and things like that. So. Okay. That would be really good homework for, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> you mean the Watchmen series? Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind. Okay. Um, so I could, I could watch that and maybe we can make that an after credit. Yeah. I, I haven't watched the series, um, but yeah, Isaiah Bradley, then it's kind of a cool moment like when they realize oh this is a super soldier but it's not a cool moment because he just wants to be left alone with them because they're government as far as he's concerned and he's not going to talk about it he doesn't want to talk about it with anyone and he just wanted to see if uh bucky was still alive <laughs> like is it really the guy from i think it was korea yeah he mentioned korea yeah that's where they met they met in korea in during the war and the yeah. impression that I get, I, I hope we get a, a flashback to this, but I'm feeling like, okay, we've got the World War II super soldier program was Steve Rogers. We get into Korean War and was the United States trying to create their own super soldier again to fight in that conflict. And it sounds like or looks like Isaiah Bradley was the guy. Yeah. And I'm curious where they're going to go with that. And I'm curious, are they going to talk about other super soldier serums that maybe went wrong? Like for a guy named Ted Salas, who fell into a swamp after he got injected with the super soldier serum and turned into a swamp monster. I'm whatever. really hoping that they bring swamp monster <laughs> to this universe so you can stop begging for it. I'm not begging for it, but I... Oh, you're, you're, you're wishing for it. I'm you're harping on for it, it for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely do bring it up a lot. Uh, speaking of, this week there's a new Man-Thing comic book series starting. It's a three-issue miniseries and the first issue just came out this week. So I'm oh. excited to get that, but I haven't gotten it yet. So we move from here to a very uncomfortable scene. Well, actually, I kind of want to talk oh. about uh, the actor who plays Isaiah. Okay. He's no stranger to comic book ad adaptations. Uh, he's, he does a lot of voice work for the DC animated TV shows. He's most well known as uh, the Martian Manhunter. And in the Arrowverse, he actually appears in person as the Martian Manhunter's father. Huh? Yeah. 
And the CW has done a good job of like bringing in people like that as right. legacy people. Yeah. You know, like the, the actor who played the flash in the nineties series coming and playing uh, while well, playing the flash from the nineties series, but he also played a, I think his dad. I'm not sure. I thought it was like a, a future version or alternate version. Well, he, I've he seen did that two different parts. Yeah. And so he either, yeah, he did two different roles. And one of them, though, was actually the Flash from the 90s TV series. And that was in the Crisis, uh, which i that's the only part of the CW DC TV show series that I've watched was... I watched Arrow until Flash started happening, and then I dropped out because there was so much going on. I watched Legends of Tomorrow, first, maybe second season, and then I watched The Crisis on Infinite Earths. And on that Crisis on Infinite Earths, they bring in, I think John Wesley Shipp is his name, and he's mm-hmm. he's the same Flash from the 90s TV series, and they actually give him an ending. And it was really touching, and it was really nice for me. Like, I don't know anything else that's going on with all these other people. <laughs> there's my guy and it was a surprise to see him. And it was a surprise to see him go out as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll have, I did watch crisis of infinite earth episodes. Um, can't remember how he ended, but yeah, I, I feel like at this point I need to go back and watch it because I'm sort of starting, starting to get into Superman and Lois, which is so. a part of that whole, that, that's the thing that just, it was just too much. Even yeah, back then when it was Arrow and then Flash was showing up and it's just like, this is getting to be too much. There's just so much happening here. Yeah. And then Smallville was incorporated into that. And um, I, I know that a lot it? of people did not like the Smallville Clark Kent, what he did in that show in, in the crisis. But I really liked seeing again, just seeing this kind of cap on his story. Yeah. Though I think he was only in the one scene and they didn't necessarily need him for the overall story because they already had a Superman. Yeah. And, and he just says, no, <laughs> I'm not doing it. I got a family. And that's where people were like, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't shirk things and just maybe well, not, but this is kind plus, of a nice little development. Yeah. And, and plus uh, Tom Welling is the na- name of the actor who we saw as Clark from Smallville. He, if I recall correctly, that version of Superman, he gave up his powers to be just a regular guy so he could raise his family with his wife, Lois. So he didn't have his powers anymore. So what could he contribute to this crisis that they were facing? So I think that's I think Tom Welling was just willing to make an appearance and then just to make one small appearance. And that was it. And it worked. For yes, me, in my opinion. I know for some others it didn't, but all right. So we move on to the next scene, which is like I said, an, a very uncomfortable scene. And it's just Bucky and Sam are talking, getting oh, animated, yeah. <laughs> raising voices, and then a squad car pulls up and two officers get out and they're asking oh, Bucky, yeah. is there a problem here? You know, are you okay? Is there a problem? And Bucky's like, no, no, no. And then finally, do you know who this is? And one of the cops realizes, oh, it's an Avenger. They're Avengers, you know? And so then, then it's okay. You know, um, 
we were talking about the loan officer in the, the previous episode and, you know, kind of giving him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, a little bit. But in this situation, it was not, there's no benefit of the doubt here. Like it was, yeah. you know, absolutely written to reflect again, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, a reality, reality, I don't have to deal with. And that just shouldn't be a reality, but it, it is. And, yeah. um, I know some people say, I, I, I want escapism. You know, I don't want to see this kind of thing because it's, I'm, I'm so, I want explosions and lasers and, you know, that's definitely a, an opinion and a, and a desire to have. I like that they're reflecting this. I like that they're causing you to, to think about this and to, I don't know if Russell is quite the right word, but, but, you know, to deal with this is what's happening. And what are you, what are you thinking about this? What do you, how do you feel about this? And how do you feel as a character in a fictional show that you like and that he has to deal with this? And that's one of those powers of fiction. You know, you're able to be, you're watching this fictional show and you're drawn in and you're, you're identifying with the characters and then you're able to put yourself in places and in, in roles that you couldn't be in before and yeah. hopefully creates empathy and sympathy and, you know, and cause you to think outside yourself, I guess, more so than, than empathy and sympathy. Yeah, that this escapism, it creates a safe space to explore those subjects and to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. The the turnaround here is that there's a, a warrant for <laughs> Bucky's arrest. <laughs> so that's, you know, a light, nice little twist because that then brings Bucky in. He did not show up for his court ordered. We weren't sure about this last last time, but court ordered. um was it therapy therapy? Yes. Yeah. Which is basically the same as a parole officer. Right. <laughs> Which leads us into the next odd couple scene. Ah, uh, yeah. The uh, couples therapy. Where they're, yeah. Where they're literally <laughs> treated as a couple. <laughs> See, this is why I was laughing earlier before you mentioned the cop showing up. Cause I thought we had, I had completely forgotten about the scene with the cop showing up, which, yeah, I've seen similar situations like that happen right in front of my face. And it is really uncomfortable and frustrating. But, yeah, this is that's where when you started talking about them arguing that my thoughts immediately jumped to them arguing in couples therapy. <laughs> it's but, yeah. it's funny. It's uncomfortable in a much different way. You know, before the discomfort was I'm watching a reflection of reality and, you know, you, you, what are you going to do with that? You know, and is this something I'm going to allow to affect me? Is it something I'd allow to lift me up? Um, because I'm, I'm seeing something that should maybe cause some righteous indignation to rise up, you know, um, the next, this scene then kind of deflates some of that tension and gets you laughing because it is so uncomfortable. And it's that, it's that funny, uncomfortable where they're supposed to stare in each other's eyes and they're going to, okay, a miracle happened overnight. 
You wake up in the morning. Oh, good grief. <laughs> what do you want your miracle to be? <laughs> and I'm watching it and thinking, I, I, I need, I need more, I need more, I need more direction. Like, what do you mean? What kind of miracle can I have? Like, I, <laughs> I feel like if, if it was me and my wife doing that, that I would be like asking the therapist for like, can you give me more specific direction here? for how I'm supposed to like, what kind of, is this a physical miracle where like we're given something or is this a, yeah. So it's just a prompt to see, you know, yeah, what is yeah. your desire in this relationship? Well, and the first thing you think of, that's going to, that's going to tell you something. And, and then the yeah. answer that you think is the right answer, you know, that you supposed to give, but then they both are like, he talked less. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and, <laughs> Uh, but this is also this whole scene is also a really great example of excellent writing because they're having this argument and they're both right. Yeah, well, and that's what it comes down to. The end of this, they're both right, but Sam is more right, I think, because um, Bucky's saying Steve trusted you with the shield. Steve trusted you with the shield, and then Sam says, "I need you." And I would hope that Steve would trust that I did what I thought was right. And it yeah. went wrong, but that I, I, I am on, <laughs> I'm on team Falcon for this one because he did, he did what he thought was right. He did, you know, he's, he's handing over this symbol to honor Steve and also Look at them. They're both so angry that John Walker would call himself Captain America. Sam is not going to be the one who says, I'm Captain America. I'm Captain America now. He's not going to be that guy. Now, someone else might go to him and say, you're Captain America. We believe you should be Captain America. But it's not Sam's not going to do that. Well, I well, one, I was curious about the terms of Sam turning the the shield over to the Smithsonian because you can either just donate it and then it becomes the Smithsonian's property or you can loan it to the Smithsonian and still retain owner ownership of the artifact. And that, that works for most museums. You can do one, one or the other. The interesting thing that came out of the, that first scene in the previous episode though, is politicians were involved in him giving over the shield. Right. Like so there's something more to this than just it belongs in a museum. Um <laughs> he's giving it over. They're putting it in a museum. I have a feeling there might have been ulterior motives from the beginning from those politicians where they're looking at this mm-hmm. and say, "Oh, hey, this is our chance. We actually yeah, the shield's being given to the Smithsonian. Let's take this and use it to our advantage." And even before he gave it over, they had plans for it. I have a feeling that before they gave the shield, before he gave the shield over, when they first heard that he was going to donate the shield, I think that's when the wheels started turning about, okay, we're going to start a new Captain America or maybe even before that. So John Walker may have been in training before Sam even made that choice. I I think you're right about it being before that. and, And this is just a crime of opportunity, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So that Sam's concern was 
was Bucky not being happy that he made the right choice by giving up the shield. Bucky's concern was if Steve was wrong about Sam being Captain America, then maybe Steve was also wrong about Bucky. He says then then he was wrong about me. So what does he mean? Like Bucky being better, Bucky becoming a good guy. I think it's just the whole Steve, if Steve trusted in you and he was wrong about you, Steve trusted in me. Was he wrong about me? Yeah. I, I think it is the whole being a good guy rising above the brainwashing and becoming, you know, who he is and, and who he can be. Um, I, I can understand as someone who can be insecure and pessimistic, I can understand Bucky's point of view there, but it's wrong. Like it has nothing to do with each other. You know, Steve can be wrong about one person and, and still be right about someone else. And yeah, I, I feel like Bucky needs to be saying, Hey, Sam, Steve wasn't wrong about you, you know, and, and, and not, oh, you think Steve was wrong about you. Then that means Steve might've been wrong about you. Okay. And, and just letting, he, he shouldn't let Steve's Sam's opinion of Steve's opinion color Bucky's worth. Right. And, and, and that's why I'm saying like, I, I feel like Sam in this argument, he's in the right and, and Bucky, his perception of things may cause him to feel like he's right, but his perception of things is wrong. Sam didn't give up the shield because he wasn't worthy and because he didn't trust Steve. He gave it up because he felt like it was the right thing to do. And they're just not listening to each other, which is the whole thing. Yeah. You know, that's why you do couples therapy, right? To, to learn how to listen to each other better and learn how to, um, know each other better and, and well, love each other better. So. Yeah. Okay. So they leave and their attention is grabbed by someone with a siren and it's John Walker and they won't join him because John Walker has tape. He has to cut through to do things. And so John Walker says to them, and this is where a little bit of a turn for me, then this is where he says, fine, we won't work together, but stay out of my way. So suddenly it's a little more, Hey, wait a minute, man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Hey, I thought you guys were peers. Like that's, that's, I think what it is up until this point, he's, he's holding himself as a peer with these guys and he's trying to hold up as a peer with these guys and say, I'm not Steve, but I'm trying to be the best Captain America I can be, blah, 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 blah. But here's where he says, well, then fine. Stay out of my way. I am the one with authority here. Although he does prove it earlier. <laughs> he's he's the one who gets it so Bucky doesn't have to go back to his court-ordered therapy. Bucky's done. The other issue, too, is that John Walker was not an Avenger. I think that's the other issue that they have too, is that they don't have that common history with him. No, no, they don't have any history with him, but yeah, being an Avenger, if someone's going to get to take the shield and be Captain America, maybe it should be one of the American Avengers. Yeah. I mean, you don't want a Canadian 
being Captain America. No, they have their own captain, Captain Canada. They have Captain Well, they have Captain Canuck. He's, Canuck. Yeah. Who should be who should be cast by the one and only Nathan Fillion. Come on. Maybe. He'd be perfect. Maybe. <laughs> but point being, yeah, maybe an Avenger has more claim to the legacy. Right. Maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Moving on. So my, oh, go ahead. My, okay. Go ahead. Cause I have one final note left here and it's kind of silly. <laughs> well, okay. So I was going to move on to the power broker attack against the flag smashers for taking mm-hmm. what belongs to him. The people who, I, I believe it was the people who own the house that was kind of giving them refuge, um, stood between them and the oncoming army so that they could get out of there. And as the people that were giving them refuge are being slaughtered and killed, you see that the leader of the flag smashers, I can't remember her name. She's crying. She's got a tear coming down her cheek as they're flying away. But we're starting to see. Was it Carly? Is that her name? It's Carly. I think so. Her last name, again, don't remember it, but her last name is the actual last name of the character Flag Smasher from the comics. So in in the comics, the Flag Smasher is actually a guy who is, you know, he believes, you know, let's destroy governments or whatever. Again, I had a comic book with him in it that wasn't as exciting because it came after, I think, (laughs) that 350 Captain America number 350 that was such a great ending to such a great comic book arc. But he had uh, – maybe it was during that time. I can't remember now. But he had a, a mace. And so he's fighting against the shield with his mace. And he's he's smashing. Okay. Was, the, was that character's name Carl Morgenthau? Yes. Okay. Because this, this girl, the, the woman with the redheaded curly hair – her name is Carly Morgenthau. So they just gender swapped the character. Or it's a daughter. Or it's a daughter. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure if this is a legacy thing that we're talking about again, because thematically that would work. If she was the daughter of, a, of the original, quote unquote, flag smasher, then again, we're talking about taking up the mantle of someone before you. Right. You know, and so it, it works either way, whether it's a gender swap or whether it's a legacy character. Um, it works either way, but I'm, I'm curious where they're going with that. And again, I'm curious what they're going to do with power broker, but I am wondering, are we going to end up in a situation where John Walker owes, uh, a bad guy for giving him power? Which is going to, I, I kind of hope they go in that direction. I was thinking that earlier tonight before we started broadcasting. So I'm kind of hoping that they do go in that direction because then you have this, this uh this you know the jeopardy of the enemy holding something over the over yeah, who the yeah. person who should be the hero yeah yeah so speaking of uh the enemy holding something over the hero um we're gonna are we gonna go into silence of the lambs territory here uh, as bucky ooh. and sam are now going to go visit zemo to find out about the flag mm. smashers I, I, that's the vibe I get, you know, they're, they're going to visit Hannibal Lecter <laughs> in prison or whatever. Um, and again, I, I hesitate to say like, Oh, he's one of the best parts of civil war. Uh, but the Zemo arc is one of the better villain arcs that we get in, in an MCU movie. 
and and I loved the the closure to that with Black Panther and the the thwarted suicide. Um, but they're going, they're going to go visit Zemo. And so this is absolutely where we see this is of a piece with all those Captain America movies, Winter Soldier, Civil War, and now this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I do agree. I love that the way Zemo's character's story ends at, at in Civil War because he killed um, T'Challa's father. And then T'Challa doesn't give him the chance to escape punishment. Yeah. So here he is. Here we see him at the end of this episode. And he's being, he's serving that sentence for causing chaos and causing, not just causing chaos, causing a rupture amongst the world's heroes. Yeah. 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 So we will see where this goes, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So the last note that, that I have that's kind of silly is the casting of Wyatt Russell. <laughs> Every time his face came on screen and he was not wearing the helmet, I'm like, he looks so much like his dad. There was only <laughs> one time that I actually really, really felt strongly that he did. Um, and I don't know if I would have noticed it if you guys hadn't pointed it out to me last week, but I definitely noticed it. <laughs> He even has his dad, many of his dad's facial expressions. Yeah. Yeah. But the only thing that proves that he is definitely not Kurt Russell is that he has that blonde, blonde hair, which of course belong. He got from his mom, Goldie Hawn. So, but I, I love those two as actors and I'm glad to see that Wyatt inherit, inherited that skill from them or maybe just learned the skill from them. Um, and I wondered if, you know, why didn't they just get Wyatt to be, you know, the younger version of his dad's character in Guardians of the Galaxy 2? And then I realized, because they would have saved millions probably in CGI work, but if they had just gotten Wyatt. But on the other hand, I was thinking maybe Wyatt wanted to not ride his dad's coattails into an acting career. Maybe he wanted to do his own stuff. He Have you looked at his credits, though? So he, um, I feel I like he has an acting it. career of, of a sort. Um, yeah. but in, I want to say around 1997, there was a movie called soldier that came out, uh, starring Kurt Russell and, uh, Wyatt played his played young Kurt Russell in that movie, okay. uh, as a child. That makes sense. Um, that movie so soldier is a sci-fi movie. It's around 97. I think I, I it might be 94. It's, it's nineties. For sure. Okay, so he would have been about nine or ten at that time because uh, White Russell was born in eighty six. Uh, the so nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight. Okay. What's interesting about this movie Soldier is it's actually unofficially a I don't know if you call it a sequel, but a sidequel to Blade Runner because the writer, oh. one of the writers on Blade Runner, worked on this movie as a writer and put specific reference points that made it so they actually could have taken place in the same universe. Uh, so it, it's, it's not official. I believe it was two different um, movie companies that actually put the, these two movies out, but there is this kind of extended canon that if you allow yourself to go in directions like that, where blade runner, this movie soldier 
the alien movies and by extension, then the predator movies, like it kind of becomes this expanded universe that you could watch and say, this is all one, one universe. Yeah. If you were so inclined. Yeah. I'm looking at his IMDb page right now and his first two credits are escape from LA and, and credited as orphan boy and Todd eight 11 and soldier. So yeah, he did get a start in his dad's movies. And then his next credit is the last supper short in 2006. So, I mean, it's very possible that he decided to go into acting on his own. Uh, He just sort of did it as like a, as for fun as a kid. But I guess when he got into his adulthood, maybe, I mean, it's very possible that he decided that he did not want to, to write his dad's coattails, which would be understandable. Or maybe they just didn't think about it when they were making guardians of the galaxy too. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like they look enough alike that I would feel like I was looking at the same guy and they did. A, if I remember, it's been a little while, but I'm pretty sure I remember thinking they did a great job with his de-aging in guardians of the galaxy too. Yeah. And that's one thing that the MCU has actually done really well is their de-aging program. It looks really convincing. Yeah. All right, we've got one bit of feedback, and I do need to make a huge apology to people who did write in that kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, I think people are aware that I we've moved into a new house, and so part of that moving just it, – it's been a chaotic couple of weeks. And so I do apologize for people who may have written in about some of those final episodes of WandaVision. Um, it, I, again, all I can say is I'm sorry. It, it got lost. It's on me. It's, it's my fault. And when I say it got lost in the shuffle, I mean, it just, we didn't get to it in a, in a timely manner. And um, yeah, so I, I apologize for that. We do have one bit of feedback um, that just came in from Agent 084 about WandaVision Episode 9 and Falcon and Winter Soldier Episode 1. And he says, hey, guys, hope you're doing well. Got a bit of WandaVision headcanon I thought I would share. Actor Evan Peters witnessed a murder out in L.A. He's put into witness protection and assigned by West Coast FBI agent Jimmy Wu to a suburban town in New Jersey, assigned the name Ralph Boner. Peters thinks the name is hilarious and defying Jimmy's witness witness protection rules, tries to jumpstart a second acting career under the new moniker, hence the headshots. Enter Wanda and Agatha and him getting locked in the attic man cave. So um, I do like the idea that Ralph possibly is the missing person uh, from the witness protection. Because of the way he laughs at his name, I feel like he's laughing at it in a way that's it's not the name he's lived with all his life. That That's kind of just the feeling that I get. But, but with that said, um, we do, we've heard that, uh, in future MCU something, we are actually going to find out who the witness protection person was. So, yeah, I've heard that too. And I agree. I, I'm wondering if that was his real name because I, for, I have had funny sounding last names before. (laughs) And, and, you know, you kind of come to resent the fact that you have this funny sounding last name. 
so yeah, I I would have never laughed at my own ma- maiden name, which was Pain. So I mean, I I got it all major pain, blah 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 blah. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not gonna say some of the ones for my name because kids can be really mean, <laughs> but no, <laughs> don't need to. No, but I will say this. I do love my name and I've grown to really appreciate it because of what it actually does mean. So my name, Ben means son of Benjamin means son of the right hand. Avery means Lord of the elves or Prince of the fairies or you know something along those lines, depending on what definition you look at. So Ben Avery simply means son of the prince of the elves or <laughs> Benjamin son of the right hand of the prince of the elves. I thought Avery meant bird. No, 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 not, not in Welsh. (laughs) So, ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, no fairy Avery. Very like that's okay. That's the root there. Uh, Agent 084 goes on to say, also, I loved episode one of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The decision to go with more casual racism is very bold. I think a lot more people see tiny, subtle things in the banker's behavior and think, well, that's something I, I've done or I would do. And I know that I'm a good person. I know that I'm not racist. So clearly there's no racism there or the show has it wrong. It's not what I expected, but I do respect the writers for holding this mirror up to society in a subtle but possibly more controversial way. Very intrigued to see how it goes from here. Until next time, Agent 084. And the way it goes from there was less subtle, <laughs> and but also can possibly keeping the controversy. You know, I know there are some people who say, you know, if, if, if you don't want to get wrongfully arrested, then don't do anything wrong. Or whatever it might be, you know, and yeah, and and that's just simply not. It's just not that simple. The real world is not as simple as that because the real world is full of real people, and real people are real messed up. And yeah. I'm not making an excuse for that. I'm just saying a, a truth for that, which is human beings can be very terrible. And sometimes we can be that way without even knowing that we are being that way. Right. Like what was Sam doing wrong when he was arguing in the street with, uh, with, with Bucky? Yeah. I mean, he was just, he was just happened to be on the sidewalk arguing with this guy that he knows. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was about to say arguing with his friend, but I don't know if I would call him friends right now. No, no. <laughs> associate. I would say just yeah. associate right now. Yeah. They work together. Okay. I think that's our episode then. Yep. So with that all said, it is time for us to say goodbye. And it's time for us to say thank you. And I have the list in front of me. If you don't, Samantha. I have the list. Okay. Go for it. So I'd like to thank our Patreon patrons, Jeffrey Tassel, Blessed Cheesemaker084 and Julie, thank you very much. And a special thank you again to 084 for writing in. Thank yeah. you very much. And I want to say a very special thank you to Jeffrey and Tassel, uh, who they've been supporters for a very long time. Jeffrey has been a Patreon supporter since 2017. 
And that's really special. That's really special. And actually, uh, 084 as well. Tassel and 084 yes. both were uh, have been supporters since 2018. Blessed Cheesemaker, also 2018. Julie, brand new. Super appreciate you as well. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. So I also want to make a very, very special thank you to our new production manager who is sitting right there in the booth with me uh, behind the glass shield recording all of this. And so now that we're done with the episode, I just want to say, Gary, stop. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard from us. Now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail by calling one 5 level 7 That's one 553 8357 Or send us an email to feedback at welcome to level 7com Just don't forget, the 7 is spelled out. You can also go to welcome to level 7com slash feedback and leave us a message there or join us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash welcome to level 7. The 7 is spelled out. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven, the seven is spelled out, and become a Patreon supporter there. Once again, thanks so much for listening, and Godspeed. So, Ben, what'd yeah. you do this weekend? Um, you know, it, it's just been busy. I've been painting and, and all that stuff, so... Okay. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I went on a Superman marathon <laughs> this weekend <laughs> um, because I was reviewing Justice League and then I started watching the original Superman movies with Christopher Reeve. And then I watched the new series on CW, Superman and Lois. Okay. So I've seen like five minutes of that. And they were good five minutes, but is it good? Yeah, it's really good um, because what they do is it's not just about Superman and Lois. What happens is uh, in the beginning, Clark loses his job at the at the planet and the Daily Planet. And then shortly after, his mother passes away. And so with that happening, they decide instead of selling the farm, the Kent farm in Kansas, we're going to keep it and we're just going to move to Kansas and Lois is going to work remotely and, uh, and we're going to raise our two boys, which talking about the, the crisis event in the DC universe, what it affected them in a way so that instead of having one son, they now have a set of fraternal twins. And one of the twins has anxiety issues. Like he's on medication going to therapy. And so they're dealing not only with the realities of being a couple where one person in the family is a superhero. They're also dealing with real life things like children with anxiety issues and raising teenagers just generally and, you know, and balancing work life with family life with when you have hectic schedules and, and, you know, dealing with your friends who are going through troubles themselves in their own marriages and all of the political stuff in town on top of all the superhero stuff that Clark has to suddenly disappear with. And um, in the beginning of the show, we also learned that 
Clark and Lois have not revealed that their dad is Superman. And they find out after one of the boys starts showing some abilities. And the other is not. And so now you have one brother who's jealous of the other brother because he has these superhero abilities. But the... Uh, but the one that's jealous of the superhero brothers, well, he's better at football. And because the other one suddenly has superhero abilities, now he wants to be on the football team. And he's like edging into his, his territory, so to speak. And it's, yeah, it's complicated. It's well-written. And it sounds cool. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's the Superman story, the next generation. It's Smallville, the next generation. Yeah, and, that sounds really good. Yeah. I have to, I'll have to watch it. I Superman is really interesting to me because of the way he just gets kind of reinterpreted constantly on in movies and on TV. And so, you know, the original Superman show, then Lois and Clark, which like, that's just its own, it got its own personality. And then Smallville yeah. had its own personality and it sounds like this has its own thing. And, um, yeah, I, I'll have to take a look at it. I know Evan, um, friend of the show, Evan, is a, is a fan of it and is enjoying it. So, yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, and I compared it to also to The Incredibles, only in the way that, one, it's a family where there, there are superhero presences in the family. And the other is that you see a lot of scenes where there's the mundane combined with the extraordinary. What I also like, and it sounds like they're doing this is I, I like when superhero stuff is kind of, uh, reflecting and metaphor, metaphorically reflecting, um, real life, you know, where you've got like, he's balancing being a superhero and being a dad and being a husband And, you know, I'm not a superhero, but I like to watch things like that where I'm balancing being a dad and a father, I guess, no, I'm a dad and a husband (laughs) and a, you know, with, with a job and, you know, with, with hobbies and, you know, all this life stuff that you have to figure out how to balance it. And then you throw super villains in the mix. Yeah. That's we've talked about with Spider-Man, you know, all of his villains tended to be people who are related to him in some way or another. So it's his college professor or his best friend's dad or his best friend, you know, and just how they amp up these relational conflicts and tensions with supervillains. And I like it when it's done well. Yeah, me too. And then, well, to sort of get away from all the Superman stuff, I also watched the new show, The Mighty Ducks, Game Changer. Have Which you seen that? I have not. I have not. Okay. But MCU connection, right? With uh, yes. one of the original Mighty Ducks went on to become Daredevil's the, partner in the law firm. Yeah, Foggy. Foggy yeah, Nelson. Yeah. Um which I don't have the actor's name in front of me. Now I feel terrible, but he has not shown up yet, but I have seen promotional pictures of him and the other original mighty ducks showing up in the series. So I think that's going to happen later in the series, but Emilio Estevez is, is in the pilot episode. Who is looking so much like his dad. 
He is at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we were talking about, I don't see it so much with uh, Wyatt Russell, but man, Emilio Estevez looks so much like Martin Sheen. It's crazy to me how much he looks like Martin Sheen. Yeah. But he's so he's no longer a lawyer, no longer a hockey coach for the Mighty Ducks. There's some other guy. And if you remember, oh gosh, what was the name of, was it the Falcons actually? In the I, original Mighty Ducks it's movie? It's been so long since I've seen the original Mighty Ducks movie. Or the Hawks. It was the Hawks that was the rival team. The cake eater team. The, the rich kid team. So the Hawks were the... Uh, so the Mighty Ducks have actually at this time in, in this series have become like the Hawks. They're the ones where all the rich parents are bringing their kids to this team. And not only that, there are parents who are paying to have personal coaches for their kids and personal therapists, like sports therapists. So it's it's parents that live to, to build and shape their kids' sports careers. And uh, so there's a couple, there's one kid who he sort of becomes a degenerate of that um, because his mom makes a point of, this is ridiculous. We shouldn't be building our and shaping our kids' careers at this point. They're only like eleven. So and and uh, the mom is played by Lauren Graham, who is probably best well known for Gilmore Girls. And she does a lot. There's a lot of great physical comedy in this series too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I and, I haven't gotten around to watching it. I probably will watch the movies first because it's been so long since I've seen the movies. With Karate Kid, I didn't need to do that. With with Cobra Kai, I didn't mm-hmm. have to watch the Karate Kid movies because I've seen them so many times. But which yeah. again, it's just it's really interesting to me when you have these franchises where it's like, hey, yeah, twenty years later, where are they at? <laughs> and there's also and, next generation. Yeah, and it's worth it because, like, say in Cobra Kai and in the Karate Kid movies, he also had Mr. Miyagi to kind of lead him and show him the right path and to bop him on the head and say, you're doing this wrong. Do it right. (laughs) But in Cobra Kai, he doesn't have Mr. Miyagi. So he's making these steps and really screwing up. So, I mean, that's one thing I love about this series. But then again, I also... My favorite part of the original Karate Kid movies was Mr. Miyagi. So I'm really missing that character. Yeah. 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 Although, I mean, they say his name so many times. He, yeah. I, you miss the character, but you're not missing him. Like, he, the, he's very much a presence in the show. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our episode. Thanks, Samantha. Thank you. Talk to you later after the next Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> Okay, I'll see you later.